When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, everybody? This is the Talk and Tactics podcast. My name is Daniel. It's your boy, HH. Carl was in Burnley. He's, he's not feeling up to it. Uh, we do this podcast every Tuesday. Remember to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud. If you're listening on Spotify, remember to give us a follow. Much appreciated to everybody who listens over there. If you're on Apple Podcasts, remember to subscribe. It's free. We don't charge you. And leave us a five-star review if that's your thing. Shout out to everybody who's ever just taken the time out to leave a review. Like, that's going way out of your way. I understand that. But it means a lot. So thanks to everybody who's done that all over the world. If you do want to help the show out monetarily, though, we have a Patreon page that I encourage everybody to go check out. We've done, I think, 30 episodes now of over 30 minutes. So that's 15 hours of content for people if you're just bored Quality. and you just want stuff Quality. to listen to. Welcome us. <laughs> no, it's really interesting, diverse topics. Well, there's a lot of film, there's a lot of race, but, <laughs> you know, it's fun. And uh, I encourage everybody to go check it out. $3 a month, you get access to all the back catalogs. By the way, I do want to mention that we do have a fa- fantasy Premier League. The link is going to be in the description. My my whole thing this year is just remember you have a team and just remember to change the players. So that's my thing this year. I just I need to get better at just remembering I have a team and remembering to change my lineup. And then maybe next year, I'll actually try to win this thing. But right now, it's just getting into the groove of just set your team, set your lineup, make sure you do your transfers and whatnot. So if you're into Fantasy Premier League, link in the description, the code. Um, so remember to use that. So I, ju- I do I did want to say that because I forgot that last week. Think you got anything you want to beg for, Have Hope? No, no. I'm, oh, well, I sh- oh, yeah. What's, what's it called? Um, Jeff Bezos. Give me like 3.5 bill. <laughs> Give me 5.6 bill. Yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Can I just have 1% of your net worth? That's yeah, like, it's like, you know, but you know what? Oh, always no. like, 300 million is not going to cause you any harm. That's it. All yeah. I want is just 350 million. That's it. And I will not say anything from you again. 350. Thank you. All right. So this is the first week of Premier League action. Si, senor. Um, let's, let's get it so one done with, man. You know, what, you know what I always do? I always go on a... Daniel Tillock like tweets binge. Uh-huh. So what I always do is like I just go to your Twitter page and I just like just go through your your, your latest tweets and I'm just like I was like re-retweet, retweet, like because I always want to know say okay, like no, let me just not retweet everyone, but almost everyone is either retweetable or likable because you always hit home truths in a very witty way. Thank so you. <laughs> but, um, thank you. People didn't like me yesterday though. It was like, why are you being so negative? I'm like, why oh. would I be happy? 
losers, man. So people actually have the cheek to now say, like, see, a circumcision is no time to be like, oh, let's be positive and everything and blah, blah. I mean, look, we'll, we'll, we'll break it down, but just to kick things off, not a great way to, to start, man. It's not just like it's one game because I was, I'm, I'm looking at it into the future and I'm seeing potential. Like, this team are going to win games. Obviously, they're going to win games. If certain mistakes are not addressed, I see the same mistakes happening, i.e. played really well, created chances, a nice build-up play, no real goal scored, you end up losing the game. And I see that story being played out quite a few times this season. My thing with Chelsea this season is, if you're going to tell me from the beginning that this season is a complete write-off, like we're not trying to win anything, we're not trying to get top four, if that's what the club is telling its fans, then fine. You can play Tammy Abraham, you can play Mason Mount, you can play Reese James, you can play all the youth you want, bring in a whole under-19 squad and build it from ground up. Fine, cool. But that I don't think that's necessarily what they're selling. Like in Frank Lampard's opening press conference, he was like, at the end of the day, this is still Chelsea and we still have a pressure to win things. Like my, I'm here to win things. You can't tell me you want to win things and field an under-21 side. <laughs> you know? Like, you can't play Ross Barkley left wing, Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham. Like, it's a championship-level attack, if it's, we're being real. Crazy. No, 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 it is. Like, it is. Because, like, people have to, like, say, okay, Mason Mount, he looks all right. Mason Mount lo- he lo- looks good. Right. Say all he wants about Money Night. Say all he wants about the issues that they've had. You're still staring across at Paul Pogba, at Martial, even throwing um, Rashford and McTominay, who have at least a season of top-tier football under their belt, at the very least. So you can say about all the issues they have, you're still going up against a team where most of those guys have either a season or seasons of top-tier football. That, the same can be said of Tam Abraham, the same can be said of Mason Mount. Tammy did play for Swansea in the Premier League, he just didn't play well. Yeah, but my thing is like I'm I'm down with the Mason Mount project. Like I, I see the potential. I'm down with the Tammy Abraham project. I see mm-hmm. the potential there. But don't sell me dreams or lie to me. Like I'm not stupid. You can't play those players, especially against Manchester United. I mean, maybe no. against like Norwich or somebody like that. Okay, you can do it. But just don't don't lie to me and tell me like, yo, we're gonna try to develop young players and win at the same time. Like this isn't the Netherlands. You want Ajax. Just don't lie to me. Although, I should point out, there is Kante to come back. There is Rudiger to come back. There's mm-hmm. Hudson Adoy to come back. There's Loftus Cheek to come back. Willian to come back. Basically, <laughs> all the black players are going to come back and rescue the team. No, no. You have Reese James. He's coming back. I don't know where Mitchie is. Can somebody find Mitchie, please? No, no. But my thing is this is that, see, this is something that I said, I was saying to Nick, some people yesterday, like, and I don't know whether you agree with this. I don't know whether there's an example. Maybe you can think of an example. Is there an example of a top-tier team playing two young centre-backs in their starting team? Mm-hmm. Like, just think, is there any team that's playing two sub-24 centre-backs consistently throughout a season? I don't think there is. It's it's normally either two experienced centre-backs or an experienced centre-back and a less experienced centre-back. You rarely ever see two young, still-developing centre-backs as a pairing for a top team. Lampard played with Zuma, so maybe he's partial to him in some sense. But when you look back at what Zuma was doing in 14-15 and before he got injured in 15-16, 
I mean, he was protected by Matic. He was playing alongside John Terry. And he had Thibaut Courtois in goal behind him. Yeah. Now he has Jorginho in front of him. He's beside Christensen instead of Terry. I don't know how good Kepa is. I don't think he's as good as Thibaut Courtois was. No, no, no. But no, he's no. not bad. So maybe there's it's it's negligible there. But when you're playing alongside arguably, I know people will get into argue about arguably the greatest Premier League defender of all time. And then you're playing in front of like a peak Matic, who at that time was like really, really good yep. at just shielding the defense and one you're playing the, for uh, was one of the best dms in the league for sure yeah and and you're playing for a manager whose port first port of call is we're not going to let them score like you're playing for Mourinho. Yeah. when you yeah. want to play open expensive football you're playing in front of a midfield that's not really bothered with doing the defensive side of the game Jorginho's in there to pass not to defend Kovacic is in there to carry the ball, not to defend. You're playing with Christensen, who is kind of like you in that I've never really been given the mantle of being the first guy in the team, except maybe at Mönchengladbach, but that's different than the Premier League. You're kind of setting him up to fail in a sense. And then it's against Manchester United. It's the last game of the of the slate. The whole world's watching. He makes one mistake, gives Martial the ball, gets a shot off, so then people are already on his neck, gives away a penalty, and it just kind of spirals from there. Other than those two mistakes, I didn't think he was that bad, but those were two really big mistakes. So he was panned, I guess. It's a risk. These are risks. But again, I just don't want them to sell me we're trying to win because mm-hmm. I'm not stupid. So don't lie to me. Don't piss on me and tell me it's raining, basically. And I think because you mentioned the whole thing with George Jorginho. Jorginho doesn't work in Lampard's system. Can't say didn't play because he wasn't fully fit. So that is the only thing. Even if I still don't believe that. So, see, if you're fit enough to make the bench, you're fit enough to start. You don't mm. put a, an, an 80% player on the bench. If you're on the bench, you should be at the very least 90% fit. At or the time when Kante was coming in, like, don't don't forget your point. But just at, at the time Kante was coming in, I was like, why is he coming in? It's 3-0. They're like, this is stupid. Like, why disgrace him, essentially? But what Lampard said in the, in the post-match was he just wanted to get him minutes because he hadn't played all preseason. So it was just an opportunity to just run him out there for 30 minutes and help him get his match fitness. Kind of the same way in preseason, Lampard would play 45 minutes of one team, 45 minutes of another. I guess he's just trying to ease Conte in with fitness. So I could understand that. It's just the the idea of him coming on at 3-0 was just, ugh. Just let him train more. Like, why does he have to be in this re- in this result? And then he picked up, like, a cheap yellow card that could come back to bite Suppose he gets his fifth one and then he's suspended in a game you need to win or something like that. So I thought it was silly, but I understand yeah, I mean, the, so, the logic see, behind it. Like, and going back to my, my point is like, I don't feel, I don't, I mean, I don't know how you view it, but George, see, George, Jorginho literally needs Sari. He only works in Sari's system. The way that Lampard wants to play and how fast and direct the, the team and how quickly they, they move the ball up, Jorginho can't deal with that pace. And Jorginho will be lost in this system. So I don't know whether Lampard still believes that. I don't know whether he played Jorginho because Kante wasn't fully faced, or he actually does believe that Jorginho can work in his system. But Jorginho will, will get badly exposed. See, Kante is pivotal for how Lampard wants to play. Jorginho will, will get fully ex, ex, exposed. So I think Jorginho has to find another club because I don't see how he, if he fits into how Lampard wants to, to play, personally speaking. See, there's this idea, and I'm glad. Um, I think Andy Gray and uh, Richard Keys, I think those mm. are the names. They asked Gianfranco Zola about Conte and why. Oh, yeah. Why was he playing in the DM position? And Zola basically broke it down. Like 
he's never played as a static DM to protect the back four, a la Matic in 2014-15. But if you remember what Mourinho was doing, he paired Matic and Fabregas. So you had the ball player in Fabregas who was able to like launch balls and find Diego Costa or whomever. But then you always had that one static person to protect the defense. If you want to play Conte and Jorginho, and Conte isn't a static defensive midfielder, but then you want Jorginho, you need him to be actually be good at just kind of protecting. So you want him to protect and start attacks at the same time. That's a bit deep. That's kind of what Manchester United were asking Paul Pogba to do last season. Like, bro, we basically need you to do everything. We need you to score. We need you to assist. We need you to defend. We need you to control games. We need, we, you need to do everything. And it doesn't quite work that way. Personally, I feel like it would be more advantageous to put two box-to-box midfielders in the midfield. So you play Kante and Kovacic together, and they're, they're able to read the game, and one stays, one goes, and they're both kind of adaptable to maybe shielding and then going forward when the other one is doing the opposite job. Mm. I don't know for sure. I mean, specifically to the game, though, I mean, are you worried? I was worried as soon as they hired him. <laughs> because the, rookie, the battle of the rookies. They didn't hire him because he's a great manager. They hired him because he's Frank Lampard. <laughs> if you look at the past, if you look at Chelsea's past, what, three, four managers maybe? You had Benitez, Mourinho, Conte, and Sari. All proven managers, yeah. won multiple trophies in different, well, Sari didn't. Not from Sari, yeah. Elite, you would say, managers and the type of coach that Chelsea should be looking at. Lampard's a complete, there's a word in my head that starts with the D that's on the tip of my tongue that I can't. Um, think of it's a complete diversion from mm. that kind of we go for the best manager available. This is just we need a feel good factor. Yeah, we want the fans to get back on side. Frank Lampard did okay yeah. at Derby County, so maybe he we can bring him in. He knows the club in air quotes. He'll bring his staff, Jody Morris and others who are linked with the club. So maybe we can just kind of do it that way. And you're seeing that in the starting eleven, like. There's no way Sarri would start this season with Tammy Abraham and Mason Mount. That just wouldn't happen because this group of coaches has trust in players that they've known basically their whole lives or just their whole football careers, rather. So I'm worried in that can you have kids essentially in the team and still expect to have an output comparable with more seasoned professionals? And when bad things happen, what happens with the club? Like, do the club are the club cool finishing eleventh? It's just it's that weird dynamic of I don't know if the club are going to trust Lampard enough. Now, this is what I said even to begin with b- b- before I was making my bold claims, which is Abramovich is in the kind of dude to like, okay, no, no, do your thing, you know, blah blah. Let's just this isn't be a writer or like, yeah, I get that Chelsea are in a very peculiar situation of the transfer and everything, but is Abramovich going to be fine finishing tenth or eleventh? getting beaten up by Bournemouth, Norwich, and so forth. Would he be like, eh, well, you know, it's a write-off. I, I, I don't Wait, if you look at the table now and you see Chelsea at 19th after one game, it's a Eesh. bit jarring. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like like the only team worse got blitzed by Man City. Should have been even more, but we will get into that. But, yeah, it's, it's one of those things of like, does Lampard have the trust of the club to finish ninth or 8th? I'd, I'd like to say yeah, but... Everything in history has shown me no. And this is what I was worried about at the beginning, that he's going to try risky things. He's going to play 11s that aren't customary for Chelsea. And it could go really well, 
or it could go really bad. And if it goes really bad, are the club willing to keep with him or will they sack a legend? And my whole thing is like, do you guys really want to see Frank Lampard sacks? Mm. I didn't. Other people are like, no, nah, this is exactly what we need. So it's that risk that you take. But I'm glad we did this 24 hours later. Because in the moment, there would have been a lot of swear words. <laughs> but I've had like that that cooling off period. No, no, no. But, but I think it's the best thing that could have happened to Lampard. I think after the whole preseason, Bravado beats Barcelona. You beat this blah, 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 Lampard. I think, because if, let's say, they lost 2-1, then it'll be like, oh, you know, it was close and everything. We played well, we played well in the first half. But the fact that it was a total beatdown, like, <laughs> then it's like, okay, you have to now. That, that has to be, it's, it's a shock to the system. You can say, okay, yeah, yeah it is one, one, one game, but it's 4 0. If it was 4 0 by Man City, then, okay, look, it's Man City. Or 4 0 is Liverpool. Okay, it's Liverpool. But if it's 4 0 to a team who people say you are, you will be battling with. With regards to getting that top four position, you lost four zero to them. It has to be a shock to the system. So yeah, la- just lastly, and then we can move on. Like last season, Sarri started the year I think thirteen games unbeaten. He mm. looked like he was in the quote title race, and then he hit a rough patch and started losing games and losing games. And I feel like because there was hope in the beginning, once things kind of regressed to the mean and the actual frailties and problems with the squad actually came to the fore. Fans turned because they had hope from the beginning, no pun intended, that you know Chelsea were actually good enough to compete. It may be a blessing in disguise that you understand the levels from jump. This team needs work. All the injured players need to come back. This team isn't quite ready to compete on a level. Maybe over the course of the season, you can grow into something that can compete, kind of like what United did. Like They had their struggles. Obviously, they switched managers, but they had their struggles last season. And then something clicked, and they started winning game after game after game. Maybe that happens with Chelsea this season, but to understand that this is an uphill battle from jump. After one game, you're 19th. It's all uphill. And it doesn't get any easier next week because Leicester's coming. So Chelsea could be 20th. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So what what thoughts do you have on United? I think for me, see, for United, they have to almost be as careful. See, this win, I think, is almost probably more dangerous for United than it is than the loss is for Chelsea because yes, they won the, the game, but if Tammy Abraham and Emerson took their chances, even Mason Mount as well in, in the first half, it would have been a very different game. The game was very open. And I was and I was watching it with Nick Tuesday, United support, and he he was even saying that my gosh, United have no mid midfield. I don't know whether it was just bad tactics, the fact that both of these teams still have issues, that game was tactically a brick. It was it was a brick tactically. It was great to watch, entertaining, but regards to tactics for a top tier, top flight game, it was a brick because it was it was far too open. So for United, but I think with the United though, it's like Lukaku is 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 good and everything. Maguire and Bissaka look solid. They look solid, and if Martial and Rashford can get you like thirty Gs between them, I think United are looking alright. The big issue is just that midfield because if United play like that against a City, a Liverpool, a Tottenham, an Arsenal, they will get beaten, 100%. Because those teams I named have better finishers. Even if, even if you give it to a Wolves, with Diego Hotter and, and, and Sofata and Kutroni, they'll get beat. It's just that those chances fall to guys who are not really sharp shooters. So, that's my thing. Yeah. And yeah, Martial being given the number nine. Yeah, man. Martial season is back. Martial FC. 
<laughs> I think I think just I mean you already made the point, but I was gonna bring it up that Maguire and Wambasaka look great. So they fixed their defense with those two signings, I think. Like Wambasaka is incredible. Maguire, I mean, he's he is what we thought he was, just you know, solid well, he can play aerially, aerially, win aerial duels, all that kind of stuff. So that makes him suitable for the Premier League. But also he can play with his feet um, in a way that we saw maybe Zuma or Christensen in spaces struggle with. Obviously, I think, well, I, I guess I would, I'd ask more of a question. If, if you were kind of like an, an, an opposing manager, who would you target if you were like a center forward and, and you, you were instructing your center forward to target one of the center backs? Would you go for Lindelof or Maguire? It depends on the kind of striker I am. If I'm a quick striker, I may be tempted to go for Maguire. If I'm a sort of stronger, bigger striker, like a target mm-hmm. man, I would be tempted to go in for Lindelof. Because I think my Maguire will, would, would struggle with through balls. I think Lindelof is just pretty quick. So Lindelof is more suited. So he'd be able to deal with through balls. I think my Maguire against through balls against a really quick, very fast-thinking striker like an Aubameyang could potentially struggle. But I think mm-hmm. a big target man, tough guy who can really move themselves around would give Lindelof issues with crosses in the air. So now, now let's say the pairing is Lindelof and Phil Jones. Who are you targeting? I'm targeting my entire life towards Phil Jones. <laughs> Every man will want a woman. This is my point. They've, they've improved it to where there's actually, like you actually had to think about, okay, if I'm fast, I might go for Maguire. If I'm big, I might go for Lindelof. But if you don't, if you remove Maguire and you put in Phil Jones, like I don't even need to think about like being fast, being strong. Like everything in these ninety minutes is being directed to that one particular person. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so they've improved it in that sense to where there's actually you have to think now, which is which is my point. So yeah, I, I enjoyed watching Juan Bissaka. I enjoyed watching Maguire, Pogba, man. <laughs> that is basically. That, I love this player, your, man. I'm, I, I, I love Paul Pogba in that sense, man. And I, I tweeted out that I can't wait until he gets old because when he gets old and he loses his legs and all he has is basically the supreme technique that he's basically had his whole career, mm-hmm. like then finally, I think people will understand what this player is about because they won't be looking at him to, okay, we want you to run. 19,000 kilometers in this game and we need you to be up and down the box and I want you to shove off nine players and use your pace and power and all that stuff. The moment he loses like, all like that stuff... <laughs> no, no, no. In some way, yes. But like the the moment he turns 33 and... Oh, maybe not 33. That's a bit too old. But like 31 and he doesn't have the legs anymore. He doesn't have like the power or whatever. People are going to actually be able to enjoy his technique because they're not going to be looking at him in that biased way. Like the pass to Rashford... Bro, that's just instinctive perfection. I don't even know what to call it. That's that's why Pogba will will, is you always have to have Pogba in team because that was a very typical Pogba game. He can literally because for me he was actually having a pretty bad bad game, losing the ball, ill ill advised dribbles in the wrong places. If I'm in a match, I want to win the the game. Mm. If Pogba makes fifty mistakes, but one thing he does leads to a goal. I'll leave those 15 mistakes because those 15 mistakes are not leading to me continuing those those goals. They're just 15 mistakes. Losing the ball, misplaced pass, um, didn't, didn't track a guy, but they're not all leading to goals. But he may make 50 mistakes, frustrates you, but he'll do one or two things that leads to a goal. Mm-hmm. Bro, it's worth the, the 50 mistakes. <laughs> and yeah. it's, it's not like 
You know how <laughs> I hate to bring up Chelsea players, but it is what it is. You know how like yeah, uh, if you go on on online or maybe YouTube and you type in like Bakayoko compilation or something, oh, and it brings up like all these mistakes of like he didn't trap the ball or or he'll pass the ball directly out of bounds to like nobody, and there'll be these like little things that he does. It's just like, bro, like, do you know how to play midfield? Like, are you an actual footballer? The mistakes Pogba has isn't just like I'm passing the ball out of bounds to nobody or something like that. Like the mistakes he makes, you can actually tell, okay, he was trying to get around this guy. Maybe he over dribbles too much. He's too elaborate, but there's actually, there's a point that he's trying to get done and then he messes, and then he messes up. So I can live with mistakes like that. Like, Oh, you were trying to beat this player to create space. And then you, you know, lost the ball. Okay. But the positive or the upside of Pogba far outweighs whatever negatives he brings to the team. So that pass, I, I was like, oh, yeah. It reminded me of the of the pass to Mbappe in the World Cup. Like, ah, oh, man, that's that's what that's what Pogba's about, you know? Just he sees the movement, instinctive pass over the top. I don't know why the line was that high, but, you know, it is. Zuma Christensen, man. But anyway, yeah, I just, I, I, Pogba, man, he's just. Um, he's our dude. He, he, yeah, he's that dude. I, I, I like him. I like him a lot. I, I just learned from the hangouts that um, Daniel James, I think three weeks before he signed for United, his father died. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's big for, for your for your debut to actually do do that to get that G man. Yeah, man. All right, someone asked us a question though. <laughs> Can the white Usain Bolt become Chief Oga? <laughs> white Usain Bolt is Daniel James. For those that don't know. Um, that's from Jay Spurs three. So can Daniel James become a chief ogre? If you would explain to the people what a chief ogre is, by the way. So a chief ogre is the highest possible tier you can get within the official rankings. So obviously the rankings go tier three, upper tier three, tier two, upper tier two, tier one, chief ogre, and they're all you can just be on ranks. Basically, a lot of players are, are, are on ranks. So very few players are actually ranked. Um, and yeah, and chief ogre is the highest possible ranking. Jay Spurs, there is no way in hell that Daniel James <laughs> is sniffing. That Daniel Daniel James's ceiling is tier three. That is his. his, 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 his <laughs> so. No, tier three is pretty good. I mean, that's that's still pretty good to, to, to be ranked, man. That's come on. Look, how many players are on ranked? So to actually get ranked, that that's, that's a big deal. Oh, somebody just got a question in at the buzzer. It's going back to Chelsea, so I apologize. Um, thoughts on Have Hope tweeting Lampard out like a plastic fan just because his stupid agendas weren't fulfilled. Um, <laughs> you well, you actually tweeted Lampard out. It was more of a joke, but okay. because when I saw it, because did, did you know what it was? I was like, I bet you that that this hashtag is so much trending because it would be such a reactionary thing to be hashtag Lampard out, and it will probably mostly be started by rival fans. So I just said, you know what? Let me just put that hashtag. Out. I think also it was just based on my frustration and my anger because I made to, I got made to look look like a fool and everybody was pretty much insulting and mocking me on YouTube comments. So that was just part of my frustration and my anger. I was like, look, Lampard out, bro. You have to Wednesday to um, get this right. <laughs> and he says, what will he do when his predictions of beating Liverpool, reaching the Champions League semis, and Pulisic winning Player of the Year all fail? Hashtag HH Watch. Hashtag Brick of the Week for Mason Boys. <laughs> So you have them beating Liverpool on Wednesday. Um, look, look. Before that four zero, I was, I said, you know, Chelsea could surprise people. That's what I said. I said they could just surprise people. After that four zero, 
yeah, I'm not worried about Wednesday. What, what, what could happen on Wednesday? Allison's out for weeks, they say. Number one goalkeeper is now Adrian, who, who people might know from West Ham. But, I mean, you still have been – like the whole rest of the team's still there. So yeah, it is what it is. I'm, I'm thinking like maybe Liverpool 2-1, something like that. Yeah, that's that. That's I feel it. like Chelsea I, I, will like oh they they will play better, but they're not good enough to beat Liverpool. Not on a neutral ground anyway. I don't think so. No. That's how you wait for Super Cup preview, I guess. <laughs> 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 but okay, no, but okay. Well, we can talk about Liverpool against Norwich. Do you think Norwich played badly just to start? Put it this way: they attacked really well. They defended like clowns. Even I was like, you know what? German coaches are really good. They're really good. I like. They should have gotten more goals. I mean, Puki did get his um, goal in the second half, but I think even in the first half, they had two really good opportunities that they should have at least hit the targets. And there was some very nice build-up play that they had, especially how because Liverpool were high, played a very high line, and Norwich were able to get those balls over the top, especially on the left-hand side. And the way they were able to pin the passes and, and, and find space to create chances was actually very nice, which goes back to good tactical organisation. But I thought the way that they defended and the amount of space to get to Liverpool was bad. Hence why I said attack looks good. But when you have just promoted, number one, you're going up against the Champions League winners and the team who finished second, not um, number two. Number three, your first put of call is to defend. Your second put of call is to defend. The third put of call is to defend. The fourth put of call is to defend. And your fifth put of call, now how can we now counter? You have to have a men behind the ball tactic if you're flipping Norwich going up against Liverpool in at Anfield. So the way they set up was very, very, very um, naive and very foolish and actually dis- disrespectful. It's disrespectful to play football the way you want to play it, no matter who you play against. No, no, no. It's it is disrespectful if you're Norwich and you're going up against a team like Liverpool who are vastly superior to you thinking you can just play the way that you want to play, which is an attacking way, and think you can and, and, and think you want to get your your face slapped up, which is what they did. I they okay. should have lost more. It was own goal and then when they were trying to clear it they messed up. Salah came in, scored. The third goal was I think a Van Dyke header from a set piece. So by the time you're down three 0 it's 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 over. No 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 um, but, 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 but still though Liverpool were having way too many chances. Like the amount of space that Firmino and people were having, it was far too much. You can't give a team that's good that much space. And basically they made it too far too easy for, for, for Liverpool. Do you think these kind of new teams that are entering the Premier League having a level of bravery is a good mm. thing or a bad thing? I mean it's it's, it's, it's it's that's a difficult question. It depends on because like look at Wolves. When they came in, they were extremely brave. But I just think that the players that they had are just really good players. Like, he just found some really good continental players who just are really good at playing an expansive way and can match up and compete against the so-called bigger clubs and bigger sites. Um, Can Sheffield United do that? Can Norwich do that? Can any of these other dudes, can Aston Villa do that? I'm not sure. I, I like that a manager has his idea, his philosophy, his just system of play. And he's like, I don't care who we're playing against. I don't care if we're playing against Liverpool. I don't care if we're playing against the Monstars, like in some sort of football space jam movie that's in my head. Like I don't I don't care who we're playing against. This is how we play. We play this way until the end. No, but, you know what I'm saying? But, like no, 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 I, I actually I admire that. So no, 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 when you see but, a team but, but, like but, Norwich but, but, come okay. up who are playing exceptional football, um, in the championship, 
according to everybody who watched it, for them to come and say, no, nah, this is the football we play. You deal with it. If we get slapped up 6-0, that's just a consequence of how good the other team is. But we're not going to compromise ourselves. But I like see, that. No, 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 no. But, but see, see, for me, I feel, again, I don't like that. You see, you have to pick and choose. Because, see, Norwich should play like that against Burnley. They should play like that against Everton, against Wolves, against Leicester City, and even against Chelsea. Even like, probably against Man United. I think against a Liverpool, against a Man City, and probably against a Tottenham, I feel you should have a man behind the ball, counter-attack system. But apart from those three teams, I feel you should feel confident in going out to go and attack Chelsea, United, Arsenal, Leicester, Wolves, Everton, so forth. But I think they're just particular teams that are so superior to you based on the individuals that they have. Mm-hmm. They are far too good and they will so easily punish you if you attack that there's actually no point in you trying to enforce your philosophy. Because remember, this is all about getting points. And against those teams, that one point could be valuable. Did you watch the West Ham City game? Yeah. How would you describe the way West Ham played? I know Pellegrini's philosophy. And he has a very South American philosophy. And they defended like clowns. They didn't really, they didn't know how to properly defend. And especially the thing, that's a very big pitch. The London Stadium has a very big, wide, wide pitch. That's 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 ridiculous. How do you get how do you get baptized in your own house? So, and I think that for Pellegrini, he obviously doesn't have a tactic to cope with a much better team like a City or or a Liverpool. So, Pep and City would continue will continue to beat them because Pellegrini will only play a certain way, which is forcing his teams to try and play and not really knowing how to do, to defend. My so, point here, though, is West Ham weren't as aggressive, I would say, as Norwich was. Like, they were a bit more conservative in their mm-hmm. approach, maybe, because they understood they were playing Man City. And my point is, even if you try to play defensive against Liverpool, Manchester City, Tottenham to an extent, maybe once we get into, as you say, Arsenal, Chelsea, United, you can be a little bit more aggressive in that sense. Mm-hmm. But when you're playing against those top three teams that people accept, even if you're defensive, they can still be, they, they can still get you. If you know how to defend well, they can still get you, but the you're, you're playing with numbers and probability. If you have men behind the ball and you've studied how the opposing team play and you studied the patterns of how they move the ball and the individuals, you decrease the chances of them beating you up. You just decrease the, the chances. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that. But for me, it's, it's a case of I've seen teams try to be defensive against Manchester City. I've seen teams try to be defensive against Liverpool, and they still get slapped up. So for me, I would like the braver approach. Look, this team is going to beat us anyway. So why don't we just kind of go out here and play the way we want to play and maybe we get lucky. It's it's the same way, like, <laughs> we, we kind of criticize this in Spain. So maybe I'm on, I've, I've flipped after watching this game and just <laughs> kind of thinking about it a, a little bit more. But you know when teams in, in Spain, they'll be playing in the cup against like Real Madrid or something and they, they play their style and they just get beat 10-0, 11-0. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, I, I think in the past maybe week or two, I've reflected on that. And instead of saying, like, you're stupid, it's more like, nah, I appreciate the bravery in trying to play football the way you want to play football. Even if that means you're going to get, I don't even know if you have a word for an 11 nil margin. Because it's not like, it's it's not like, you know, when the United States women's team played, I think, 
Taiwan or someplace like that, mm. and they got beat like 14 nil, 13 nil. That's just a that's that's more a vast disparity in quality. I don't think like when you come to Norwich, Liverpool, the disparity is that big. So you do have a chance in terms of yo, we're gonna go there play. If we score first, maybe we can hold on then. But especially once you go down one, now we need to get if we want to get points from this game, we have to come out even more. So then it leads to the two, the three, the four, the five, the six. So yeah, I just I can I'm I'm more attuned now to say I appreciate the bravery and sticking to the philosophy of your principles rather than just like cowtailing and kind of hiding. But anyway, we there is a point from the Man City game that we need to talk about. How do you feel about VAR, bro? Did you see how how far they called Sterling offside by? I swear it was like maybe a millimeter or two. It's it's offside. It's offside. Even if it's a pubic hair, <laughs> it is offside. It's your offside by. I've seen some pretty long pubic hairs, bro. It's like you know, like people say, okay, it's uh, what's there to complain about? The rule says You're any wrong. part of your body that is beyond the last man before the ball is kicked means you're offside. You now have technology, full-on technology that you can pause, go to different angles, look, zoom in, zoom out, that can tell you categorically whether any part of someone's body is beyond the last man. And there you go, he's offside. So there's n- there is nothing to discuss about. Like, my say, when you asked about it, I wasn't even thinking about the studying thing. I was thinking about how the stoppages... Because for me, VR worked beautifully at the World Cup. I thought it was really, really good. At the Cup of America, it was it was a mess, completely not a mess. It was, it was it was horrible because it was it was taking too long, and it was just I don't know what went wrong there. So I just think that if South you have America. a situation where it's swift to the point, then look, man, it's still weird. It is still it will it still gets some some getting used to. Looking up at this because it feels very much like NBA, NFL, and I don't, I'm not wonderful football, you know. So, do you know? Yeah, I was thinking about this because I heard you say the point maybe earlier. And if you look at like the NFL, it takes three hours, sometimes even more, to play a game that's timed for 60 minutes. In the NBA, it takes two hours to play a game that's timed for 48 minutes. Wow. In football, it takes roughly like the broadcast time would be two hours to play a game that's 90 minutes. So it just football should be a more free flowing game based on that, but it's just what I was thinking about. Like it, it's the game's sixty minutes long and it takes three hours to televise it. Like, ugh. anyway, my my thing with Sterling is the idea is level is onside when you're learning football and somebody tries to teach you the onside rule. You don't quite understand it at first, and then you just kind of gradually understand what it is. Then you hear the thing, level is onside. If you're offside by a millimeter. Is, aren't you generally level? No. What do you mean? So, okay, so can you be offside by a nanometer? But then it's like, see, the whole point of rules is when you is this sound off? like so, a fed, bro. See, th- this is my problem with referees, man. No, 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 no. This, no, this, this, this see, is my problem with referees. No, no, no. See, see, the issue now because if you're not saying, okay, let a nanometer go, let a millimeter go, let two millimeters go. So where does it end? There, there needs to be a definition for what is level. There we go. Wait, 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 wait. Very quick, very quick. Do, 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 do you know what I've always said? Sorry to but do you know what I've always said? So so I don't forget it because my brain is a bit... Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. What I've always said, and this is what I believe, <laughs> if there is space between yourself and the last man, it's offside. If there is no space, I say call it onside. 
if there you can see space, and I believe that was the ruling at a point of the identity, but I think if you can see space between the um, last man and the last de the defender, that's offside. But if you don't see any space, so even if your shoulder and your head may be ahead, but your foot is still level, it, it should be called onside. Mm. That's how I personally would view it. You know, you know what? I, I would adjudicate it the way they do a ball crossing the line. All of the ball has to be crossed the line for you for it to be a goal. So how come my I could have all of my body behind the last defender, but uh, the my shoulder blade is a little bit protruding past that guy's chest or whatever, and I'm called offside. Yeah, should that's it be crazy. all of my body should be across the defender? If one millimeter of the of the football crosses the goal line, it's not a goal unless the whole ball is across. But you can be offside if your just ninety nine point nine 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 percent of your body is where it's supposed to be, and that point zero 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 one. Like I don't understand that. So there needs to be a discussion about what is level, because I feel like it's the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law. You're you're one hundred percent right. If you're a pubic hair offside, you're offside, right? And if if you have the technology, the HD cameras to figure it out, fine. Sterling's offside. I wouldn't argue that according to the rules, Sterling was offside. We we could stop the argument there. But philosophically, or just like for my own amusement, the spirit of the law is always to give the attacker an advantage in in the sense of like if it's close, let the goal go. If it's level, you're onside. For me, there's no way you can say that someone is offside if it's such a minuscule distance mm. because it defeats the purpose of what you're trying to do. It, to yeah, me, yeah, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. And I feel like personally, I, I, I would say Sterling would be onside despite me knowing that technically he, he's offside. But that's, that's for me because I would go by the spirit of the law. But once you give it to referees who in my estimation, if you want to be a lifetime referee and like your your goal is to be, I want to be a professional football referee, that's not too much different than somebody who wants to be a judge or a, or a police officer or just like, just you know, those little kids who will haul monitors that would like, mm. stop running in the hallway. And then they'd write you like a little demerit or whatever the case may be. Like, it's those people just grown up. So then you give them the technology to like, enforce every little thing it's it's just it ruins the game for me because that's not what that is supposed to be there for i don't think var is there to judge oh his left testicle was two millimeters <laughs> offside so like that, that that defeats the purpose no, no, i no, think of what var is meant to be because my thing about it is that even going to the whole offside thing is the whole point of the rule is goal hanging we don't want some dude gaining an, an, an advantage because then it just it, 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 it will just make football just crazy because just have guys go hang so they because remember the whole point of football is it's hard to score ish and the whole philosophy of, of offside was don't make it so easy for the attacker and don't give them an, an advantage how is your left testicle being ahead of the last defender an advantage to score i don't know like now, having your body all the way over a fully ahead of the last defender, that is a clear adv advantage. But right. your shoulder, <laughs> how is your shoulder ahead of the last man an advantage? What the hell? <laughs> you know what else is interesting? I, obviously, this has gone a little bit longer than I wanted, but do they, can they accurately and consistently tell 
when a ball is being kicked, part of the offside rule mm. is it's when the ball is played. In the time it takes to kick a football, mm. from the is do you start from when the uh, from when the passer kicks it? Do you start somewhere in between, or do you start when the ball leaves the foot? It, it's moment it, of it, impact. Where where do you stop it in the moment of impact? Because if we're talking about millimeters and we have the technology to, to break it down that far, mm. you the ball just doesn't touch the foot and come off. There's a point in time where your ball is almost stuck. Your foot is oh, almost yeah, yeah, stuck yeah, yeah. to true, the ball. True, 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 so true. so 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 where are you stopping the camera? And are you stopping it in the exact same spot every time? Because in the moment it takes for your foot to come off the ball. This millimeter on my shoulder could be behind, it could be forward, it could be level. So that's what I want to know. Like, when are we stopping the frame? And can you do that consistently with every pass? If we're going to be judging down to the millimeter, down to the nanometer, that kind of thing, I, I would like to know how they adjudicate that. Because for me, that's a level of variance that could have somebody on side depending or somebody off. It's just like that look like it shouldn't be this technical. You should be able to look and say that's offside. It shouldn't be, oh, we need to get graphs and get the level and somebody bring out a tape measure. And like, it shouldn't be like some scientific effort. It should just be, oh, that looks offside. Anyway, <laughs> Is, was there any other game you watched this week that, that stands out? Maybe Harry Kane scoring the brace in the last few seconds or last few minutes, rather. Or I, I, I didn't watch the Arsenal game. I did catch the highlights of Obama Yang's oh, yeah, goal yeah. I mean, and whatnot. I but... watched the highlights of the Tottenham game. I watched the Arsenal Newcastle game. Ah, so so what did you think? Just on, um, on those two teams quickly. Yeah, so basically, I don't think Newcastle should be too old. I think Newcastle looks all right, although they definitely need to improve. But I thought it was a very close game, especially in the first. It was a very close game, and I think the difference is Arsenal have Obama Yang. Newcastle have Joe Linkton. So <laughs> I think when you have a guy who I believe could be top scorer this season, you give him a sniff under the chance he's gonna put that ball in the in the back of the net, you know. So I just think that, you know, um it's for us I think for us like it's 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 much it's more so about what is that Lacazette Pepe Obama thing gonna look 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 like getting replacements for Mustafi and of course um Danny Thurthabias and, and how he's going to help impact and improve the midfield. But I think Arsenal could be all right. But I'm very much looking forward to the Aubameyang, like that's Pepe, link up. And I think for New, Newcastle, Joe Linton looked, looked all right. He looks all right. I think give Steve Bruce a, a chance. Okay, if after five five games, Newcastle like 17, 16, then okay, like sack him and then try and beat, beat up my, Mike Ashley. But before you want to beat up Mike Ashley, gives, gives, look, it is what it is. Benitez is gone. It was stupid. It was a crazy decision. But give this dude at least five, six games, see where where where, where it's all at. This could have easily, easily been a, a point they could have gotten from Arsenal. And with for Tottenham and Villa, um, yeah, look, Villa look, look, looking alright, but I just think that for Tottenham was a good re, re response. What a way to announce yourself. Undomble, quality goal, probably goal of the weekend, very good goal. And Hurricane now scoring for the first time in August for ages. Maybe that is just him saying, bruh, I think I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to G up for Tottenham this season. Do we have any other games? I mean, everyone else is still sort of in pre-season mode. I mean, yeah. there was... Well, well, there was the... 
it depends. The PSG name game leads into the whole Neymar situation, so we can sort yeah, of yeah. I was gonna we was gonna get to that. So okay. so we, we can just do questions and then we can go yeah. where we want. So let's 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 do some questions. Remember the tweet for question goes out every Monday. When I remember the tweet, this week was a bit late, so I apologize to to you guys. But you know, Terrible. it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this question came from Linden Boulevard One. Are Neymar and Kyrie Irving good cross sports comparisons? I think we've done this before, where. Kyrie wanted his own team. He went to the Celtics, for those that don't know the NBA, because he was playing under LeBron James. And um, and then that same summer, I guess, the thought was Neymar wants his own team, so he leaves Messi, who would be analogous. Messi and LeBron would be analogous. So Neymar wants his own team, so he goes to PSG. So, yeah, they are similar in that sense. And then Kyrie finds out it isn't easy this summer, and now he's with the Brooklyn Nets, so he's left the Boston Celtics. And... The idea is Neymar is find out, finding out that life in PSG isn't as you know lovely as he might have liked. So now he's looking to go to either Real Madrid or Barcelona or wherever. So you can compare and contrast them, I think, quite easily. Did you read today or maybe yesterday that the PSG Ultras came out and were like, Neymar, you're a son of a bitch. Oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Get lost, I, I, basically. I, 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 I know that everything in the PSG stores from Neymar has been ripped. Ripped off on take, 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 taking away. Wow, damn, they're scrubbing him. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> they're scrubbing Indeed. him. So, Real Madrid in the past couple weeks have become potential suitors, I guess would be the better word. So, what do you think is going to happen? In, I think Bosnia are, are much closer than they are. Yesterday, I was in like a, a hangout and you you will know these people, but I asked Phil, who's like a crazy Barcelona fan, and this was all in a row. I was like, where do you think Neymar is going to end up? He was like, I think he's going to come to Barcelona. And I told these people to be honest, as honest as they could. He thought he was going to end up in Barcelona. Then I asked Abdul, who's a Real Madrid fan, where do you think Neymar is going to end up? He was like, I think he's going to come to Real Madrid. Then I asked Tosin, who's a PSG fan, where do you think he's going to go? And Tosin said, Sequeira. So I talked to a Barcelona fan, Real Madrid fan, PSG fan, and I, I tried to get them to be as honest as I could. And they all thought he was coming to their club or staying at their club. So basically, nobody knows what's going to happen with this, which makes it quite interesting to me. Yeah. Personally, I'd like to see him at Real Madrid. I can compare Neymar and Hazard together on the same team, and I'll have evidence to maybe say Hazard's better. <laughs> <laughs> like, Hazard's outperforming this guy against, I don't know, some lower-level Spanish team. But the, the, the point is, I don't think anybody knows what's going to happen with this situation. Neymar going to Barcelona is a is a loser's move, man. There is no other way to say it apart from that. It's just a complete loser's move if he's going back to Barcelona because that doesn't make it that you're just showing that that's you're going backwards and you're going back to be Messi's bit. You know. Um there's there's another one you're you're gonna be his bit. Real Madrid is you could the say only sidekick. Bit. Um, <laughs> Real Madrid is the only move where his now, female dog. This, this, this is a big boy move because El, El Clasico is now alive now. So El Clasico is on. And if he leads Real Madrid to a Champions League or more, more importantly to a La Liga title ahead of Barcelona, boom. Because as of right now, Neymar, right now, can we both agree that he's the most device, divisive football player in the world? Mm, that might be Cristiano still. Divisive? But... No, it's just... Messi fans. They took him off FIFA because of allegations. 
Come on, are you saying okay? Apart from Messi fans, I said it might be. I, I'm just trying to come up with someone okay. who I think might. No, no, be. okay, okay. So well, I, I said Cristiano is the most popular athlete in the world. I no, would I mean, assume okay. that would create some form of divisiveness, but you might be right. Actually, now that I think about it, yeah. that that will be stricken. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was strictly for the record. Yeah, yo, 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 yo! Did, did did you see Neymar and Cristiano like they were doing yeah. an advert and they yeah, were yeah, boxing? Yeah, yeah. There's a joke in there somewhere. I'm not smart enough um, to think of the joke, but there's yeah, definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I feel the same way, bro. Or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh jeez. But anyway, anyway, anyway. Yeah. So most, most Neymar is the most divisive, is what you said. Yeah, I believe he's the most divisive. So I think the the only move that will win him back love is Real Madrid. If he stays at at at, I don't know how how he stays at PSG. I just don't know based on what has happened. If he goes to Barcelona, no matter what he does or what he wins, he'll only be loved by Barcelona fans. But everyone else will be like, oh my gosh, he just ran ran back. Real Madrid is the only move where people can now for people like respect and see you as 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 something. So. Yeah, I, I, I think the turn from PSG fans is one of the most interesting things about this. It's like, yeah. so they, you, they're just ready to get rid of him, I guess. And maybe it's, yeah. I would, I would assume living in Paris or just living in France. This is like the major. It's like, it's a big story in the English speaking world. I could only imagine, like, if you're a PSG fan in France, what their TV, their podcast, their, what their media is up to. So the, the reports of Neymar wants to leave. Neymar's going. He's not gonna come. Like all of that just kind of swirls week after week, day after day, and it's just fine. Like if he doesn't want to be here, like you know, get rid of him. So yeah, and then you you telling me that they're taking his stuff out of the out of the out of the store. Yep. All gone. Although I do question this. Suppose Neymar went to Real Madrid. Mm. What number does he wear? Wait, he was eleven at Barcelona, was wasn't he? Was he eleven? I think he was, was 11. eleven. Do they strip Bale of the number eleven and give it to Neymar? Yes. Or do they, or do they, or because he's Neymar, do they take the ten off Modric, or does, or do they, they convince Modric to like give up his ten, and they give that to Neymar? I think Modric would would give up his ten. I, I don't think Modric is that much like. Oh my God, Hazard asked uh, Modric to get the ten, and Modric told him no. So then really? Hazard has seven. Yeah. Oh wow. So <laughs> I think I think what would happen is they would they would take the, the eleven from Bale. They would strip him of that number. Zidane already doesn't fuck with him, so yeah. they strip Bale of the eleven, give eleven to Neymar, and then Bale would be left with like twenty six or thirty one or whatever numbers next. Mm. They wouldn't take the ten from Modric. I don't think they do that. That's he's a Ballon d'Or winner. Like you can't take his number. Pack Mouse thoughts on Carrius going back to Liverpool. Oh what? I guess because Allison's like injured, Carrius going back. You know he was loaned to Besiktas, so. Oh. He wasn't sold, so no, 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 no. Let me see. After a guy does that stuff in a Champions League final, he should never sniff that out for the rest of his life. <laughs> like the dude is like, I think the the, the dude is going to be a a full Siberian citizen like very soon. Do man. you know what though? The fact that Liverpool the next season went out and won the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I know like what you did in again for Benzema and um. The, the last bill goal that was pretty bad too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like, there were two mistakes, but I can only think of the one that he just basically passed Benzema the ball. Look, what, let me see. It's, it's it's the worst goalkeeping mistake I've ever seen in my life. It's, it's, in my life. Yeah, it's bad. G- given the level that that's meant to be, like that's yeah. 
But they, the next season, they went out and they won the Champions League. So maybe he could come back. Look, we know you messed up two years ago. We corrected the wrong. We went out and we got Allison. We won the trophy that we didn't win because you messed it up for us. So maybe he could come back and be like second. So I don't know. Maybe it's the, the hate isn't as strong as it, as it could be or should be because they actually went out and won the trophy. I don't know. Um, two more questions we got here. How many more Champions Leagues and Premier Leagues would Sir Alex have won if he had the opportunity to buy three right backs in three years and <laughs> dump a goalkeeper within a year? These Pep versus Sir Alex debates just give me headaches from Sammy1679. Yeah, like, no, no, no. Um, Don't ever put Pep in the same sentence as Alex. <laughs> like, for me, like... Yo, oh, they, they traded Danilo for Cancelo. How did... How? Juju. <laughs> And white and, and white smudge. No bike. I can't wait until we the next week we need to have the discussion about what Sari is doing at Juventus. Like we need to like set out like 15 minutes and just discuss Juve. <laughs> because this guy he's he's up to weird stuff. I don't know what he's doing. Or maybe it's not Sari, because I know he's like a head coach, he's not the manager. So whoever's in charge of their transfers, we gotta we 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 must discuss. But Pep versus Sir Alex. No, nah, don't. No, no, no. Like you've spent too much money. Ferguson was pretty much destroyed and rebuilt teams from, from, from scratch, not spending the kind of insane money that Pep has. Like, I think that with Pep was like, bro, how can you spend $5 trillion and you've not made a Champions League final since you've left Barcelona? Lastly, from coming up short one, for Daniel, talk to us about Loftus-Cheek and Deli Alley. I don't think they're particularly similar in terms of style play, in terms of play style. Loftus-Cheek is more of a midfielder than Deli Ali is for one. The teens from football Twitter claim otherwise, of course. Curious to hear what you think. People compare these two because they're kind of tall and mixed race. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was no, I was about to, I was about to say that. No, they're they're light skin, like, they, like Deli Ali is even another tall. Basically, the only thing that they share is they're light skinned. Apart from that, they're pretty different. And Lofts' cheek is see, I think Deli Ali is way overrated. Way overrated. I don't think he's as good as people think he is. For me, Loftus Cheek is easily the the better player, easily. See, this is the thing about people that look alike. It's the same way people want to compare Yaya Turi to Paul Pogba. You want to compare Ngolo Kante to Claude Makalele. They want to compare, mm. I don't know, Olivier Giroud to Gignac, or just if, if you look similar, we'll compare you with someone that looks similar to you, even if your style of play is different. So, for instance, like Makalele and Ngolo Kante, they're short. I think they're both five six. They're French. They're defensive midfielders and and quote marks, but they played the position completely different. Makalele has his own role, like it's named after him. Kante doesn't play like that, but because he's French and short and black <laughs> and bald, people just make the comparison. Yeah, it's what it is. They played for the French national team. It's just it's the whole thing. Deli Ali and Loftus Cheek, they kind of look similar. So and they're of a similar age. They both play. They're both English. So the comparison is made. When what I get into is people would say I'd rather have Deli Ali in my team than Loftus Cheek. And I look at that and I think, do you watch football? Because if if I want to use have hopes terms, because I'm I'm having a conversation with him, Deli Ali is kind of he's like an effective footballer in some ways. People might even argue that, but he's not going to complete stepovers. He's not going to do dribbles. But if you get him the ball in and around the box, he'll probably score you a goal. He can create assists in that sense. Like Loftus-Cheek is more of a footballer in the way that you would use the term. Like He'll dribble you. He has skills. And if you get him in the box, he's good enough. 
Um, I would say Deli Ali is a better finisher. He's more of a second striker, whereas Loftus Cheek is more of a you know an attacking box to box maybe who could play number ten if you really wanted him to. And for me, when I look at the two players, the one that's just more visually appealing, the just the style of football that they play that I appreciate more, is Ruben Loftus Cheek, just because he has wiggle to him. He's more entertaining to watch in that sense. I've always mm-hmm. seen him as he's a six foot three version. Like if you could make Eden Hazard. 6'3". Just like you're not supposed to be that tall with that kind of low center of gravity yeah, that you can yeah. like spin players and just do just the kind of aggressive things that he does with the ball. It's why he has back problems. Like, like the chronic back problems that he has, I think, is because from young, he's been able just to do these things that his frame just isn't really meant to be able to do. Mm. Um, and that's why he has these injuries over and over. But yeah, Delhi Alley, he's just more stiff and he'll he'll do what he's meant to do, but it's not in any kind of exciting way. Like you 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 could <laughs> you could have put Delhi Alley's best highlights behind like some trap beat and get me to watch it. <laughs> you know, like like his YouTube cuff, it would just be like goals scored, but it's not gonna yeah. be any like, like tricks or anything. Like right he's now. he's not gonna dribble anybody. So no, I, I mean, enjoy no. the, I, I I enjoy Loftus Cheeks version of football anyway. As, but as they aren't like, similar in terms of just what they do. But just you know how they like, look like as you as you said, like I think it's about effectiveness and just aesthetically aesthetic, clean. yeah, yeah. It's like aesthetically the way that Loftus Cheeks plays his football, that's just like a natural footballing talent. Dele Ali just doesn't have as clean footwork. His ball control isn't as clean. His balance isn't as clean. And he does feel very awkward and very haphazard in the way that he sort of like controls and moves with the ball. But he can be effective, especially in the position that he plays and in the role that he plays for Tottenham. But just lost his cheek. I feel you can do more with him. I just think that you can basically you can pull lost his cheek in, in almost any team and he'll still be able to do what he does. Dele Ali won't be able to be effective in any kind of system. I just think he needs to work in a very particular kind of environment to get the best out of him. We we, we can leave it there. Let's not belabor the point. Um, remember, leave a five-star review if you're listening on an iTunes device. Subscribe as well. We see you if you subscribe. We don't see the names, but it's, it's always like um, 80% of listeners were subscribed. I'm like, who is this other 20%? Like, <laughs> you 20% people, subscribe. It's free. If you're on Spotify, shout out to you guys. Remember to follow us um, if, you're, if you've listened this deep. We appreciate you. If you're on SoundCloud, hit the likes, hit the hearts, bro. Like, come on. Remember to share the podcast with your friends. Come on. Share, 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 share. Like, 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 like. If you don't, you're a loser. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and, yeah, if you're a Patreon subscriber, you'll get your 30 to 40 minutes of talking tactics extra whenever you feel like looking it up. I'm at Daniel to look. Have hope. Where can people find you? You can always find your boy at Half a Pot or at the Half Hope on Instagram, or just visit the website halfhopefootballpot.com. Carl Anchor is at the Athletic at Anchorman six one six. Hopefully, he'll be more rested next week and he will join us and give us reports from uh, the grounds he's visited. So, talking tactics podcast, sometimes funny, sometimes serious. Always football. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. Stay black. So, boom. Half hope, you take it away, man. So, obviously, in the wake of these mass shootings that happened in, in America, the people are looking for what to blame. And pretty much, this is this almost happens like clockwork. And this has been happening since, I, 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 I want to say maybe since the time of Tipper Gore or even either before that or just after that. 
it was like whenever there's these mass shootings or something violent happens, video games are the first to be blamed. So either video games or even films now. So basically, there's this film called The Hunt, mm-hmm. and it was um, set to be released. And Universal Studios have now, first of all, Universal Studios pulled all advertising of the film. Now they've pulled the film from being released. So basically, the plot of the film follows these um, rich people who go out hunting rednecks or Trump supporters, you know. And it's made by this house. <laughs> called... <laughs> so it's made by this house called Bl- Blumhouse, who do very independent, very edgy, risque kind of films because they do. Sports Social Podcast Network.